Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Super good. Yeah, me too. Oh, good. Yeah. Pretty good. Good good news. Yeah. It's nice to just have a normal day. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I slept pretty well. Sunday night is usually my best night of sleep. Yeah, I mean, when I say I'm doing pretty good, it's not, today's not a normal day, and I, I, I guess I slept sort of well. Oh, no. Well, I mean, that's as good as it gets for me these days. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But I have to leave uh, after our program to go be on the radio. Oh, the radio. The, the terrestrial radio, not our modern radio. Oh, we should talk more about things that you do. You, um... You uh, surprised? That's the wrong word. I, I'm I'm frequently surprised. I'm buoyed to see that you go and perform places. I saw I saw a picture of you with long hair, performing. Mm-hmm. You you played the played your song on the uh, the brothers podcast. You're just you're still out there. You're still getting stuff done. Oh, you know you got to get stuff done, Merlin. If you don't get get it done, how's it going to get done? Who's going to do the stuff? Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. What can I ask? What kind of yeah. radio is it? A KEXP? Is it a is it a Luke Burbank? It's a, what kind of a situation you got? None of none of the above. It's a um, it's a KUOW, which is our local public radio station, and they have a um, they have a culture panel Ooh. where they get uh, they sit around and discuss cultural moments. Hmm. They like, say like, like relatively like contemporaneous or like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay all right yeah I mean it's um. It's just filler. It's filler, which is what ninety-eight percent of all content is. Oh my goodness! Really? Oh, I think so about content. Yeah. You think most content is filler? I really do. You think yeah. it's insubstantial? I think so. Sure. I mean, you know, like Izzy Azalea. Let's say, let's just say that for instance. Why do you want to know anything about Izzy Azalea? Iggy, Iggy Azalea. Well, she's she's so fancy. She's fancy, but do you do you want to know anything about her? <sighs> I had Iggy? to learn. A little bit about her. Um, I don't want to take you off your topic. No, I had to no, learn no, a little about her because I'm a fan of uh, uh, Charlie XCX, mm. who's the lady who sings the good part of that one song. Oh, sure. The part where she's not acting like like a black person from New Orleans. The mm. part where the English lady's going, ah, so fancy, which is which is a really good part of that song. Huh. Uh, and then um, then I heard there was some kind of dust up about her I- bona fides. I should have known you were bad news with your bad, thing with, your, with your bad boy uh, demeanor and your uh, tattoos. Tattoos, Nicki Minaj, monster, monster. <laughs> Everybody knows. So, but the thing is, I don't know mm. anything. I don't think. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really up on the rap these days. <laughs> I know, I I know a couple of Kanye songs. A couple Kanye <laughs> songs from a few years ago. <laughs> I like that monster song. That's a really good song. When I see that hotline bling. Oh, hotline bling! <laughs> then you got the so one guy. You got the guy who did the uh, who did the uh, the Marvin Gaye song. That was no, popular no, no, a few we're, years ago. I'm not. I'm definitely not doing this with you. No, uh, you're not going to do updates and rap. What if that comes up on your cultural panel? What if you're expected to opine on the rap of the day? Well, this is the danger for me now because since I'm not on Twitter, I don't know what the of the day stuff is. Mm. I did an of the day thing on the television a couple of days ago. What do you think about? But it's a, but it's all stuff that I wouldn't have encountered anyway. You know, they'll hand you a piece of paper here at the at King Five Breakfast Show, and it said, 
There's a there's a hotel for sale outside of Reno that's decorated 100% in clowns. Mm. And you read the thing and you're like, oh, and then you get online and or you get on the TV with them and they're like, what do you think about that? And, you know, and people that are making pancakes or people that are like getting the kids off to school or whatever it is that people do that watch those shows. Yeah. Uh, they're like, lol. Or the mm. other one was, there's a football player who was jet skiing and he and he crashed and he lost a $150,000 diamond earring. What do we think about that? Oh, and boy. He's got something to say about it. John, I don't know a lot about producing content, but I, I, I think those are, uh, as you say, problematic. Oh. You, don't, you don't start out with something that's already funny and then talk about it. Mm-mm, no. Don't you think? No. Well, the thing is, public radio is going to be a little bit, it's, you know, it's not going to be so, uh, the humor is not going to be so broad, right? They're, they're actually going to say, here's an interesting thing, right? Le, the state legislature of Oklahoma says X, and then, but, you know, it's not going to actually be like, it's not going to be biting. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's culture filled. Gentle. It's gentle. But that's one of the one of the many things I do, Merlin. In order in order to get stuff done, in mm-hmm. order to to, uh, to make content for people, and to um, ultimately, I guess, to uh, to be in the mix. Mm, you got to stay in the mix. If you fall out of the mix, it's hard to get back in. Oh yeah, you can't get out. You can't get out of the mix. It's uh, not like it, riding a bike. Mm-mm. If you because then the mix separates, right? And you mm-hmm. get the, you the break oil. Your so- you call it breaking your sauce. Yeah. You don't want to break your sauce. <laughs> you don't want to break your sauce. But this week is going yeah. to be this is this week's going to be a hot week mm. for me uh, because uh, because it's a uh, it's Seafair Week here in Seattle. Oh, Seafair Week is that like a Fleet Week type situation? That's right. That's oh, really? Right. And I am the uh, king of the of the of Seafair because of your military service. Because again, they uh, need some content. <laughs> They have and a certain what, number of cubic inches of content. Right. And John can provide that. He can come in, wear his little Doctor Su- Doctor Who suit, and, and, and you come in, and you provide some content. We get a crown? I have a crown. <laughs> oh, nice. I have I a crown. I have photos a sword. of this, please. Uh, crown, well, they're on, the, they're on my Instagram account. Oh, Insta- that's right. You're still on the Instagram. All right. Yeah, use Instagram. Uh, crown, sword. Uh, I have a, a tunic. And so what you get in a situation like this is you get a lot of events. I'm going to welcome the Blue Angels to town. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my I'm goodness. You've got a sash. I do. A sash. You've got epaulets. Mm-hmm. This is outstanding. I was in a parade. I was in a big parade. 150,000 people watched the parade. Tremendous parade. It was a big parade. Uh, and then uh, so this week I I, uh, I go. I have a uh, I have dinner on on the uh, flagship, the U.S. Navy Admiral Pacific Admiral flagship boat. I uh, I, I shake hands uh, and kiss babies with the Blue Angels quite a few times. Um, a lot of a lot of events, a lot of different. I go to I go to the largest Rotary meeting in the Northwest, which they have every year at this time to you know because the Rotary is very involved. Wow. Thanks. Uh, some breakfasts, some dinners, and then I watch the, and oh, and throughout all of this, I'm doing ceremonial nightings. Oh my of, goodness. You, you were born for this role, John. Or, well, this is the thing. This is the kind of content mm-hmm. that, um, that I am, 
that I that I can freely give the city of Seattle, because without a king wearing a sash and a sword, all you have is a bunch of guys in navy uniforms milling around, mm-hmm. and then some chamber of commerce types and some rotary types, and you know the the, the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. But then you throw then you can throw a guy in a sash in there. And uh, it's anybody's it's anybody's game at that point. Well, you know, if you're going to have a monarchy, you should have a king. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, aren't you going to have a power vacuum? Well, it won't be a monarchy. Well, mm. uh, the other day I was asked. To I'm night- sorry, I'm I'm kind of distracted. I, I I don't look at Instagram, but now I'm looking at your Instagram. You have all kinds of photos on here. Yeah, that's right. It's my look it's at you. Pro- look at you with the brothers. There's you. Oh, look at you. Look at you and little, little sweet baby brother. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, did you get your Filson bag back? No. Okay. Um, you? Oh, is that you, a Catwoman? Uh, Catwoman and I were looking at some comics. I was asking her some questions because she yeah. was running the she was running the uh, the booth. I was like, "Hey, I don't see in here what I'm looking for." And she came over. Someone took a, a candid photograph. Right. You're looking for uh, uh, Oklahoma sex cat. Uh, Oklahoma the sex cat. Yeah, I wasn't looking for that, but now that you remind me of Oklahoma the sex cat, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I should add it. I should add it to my list. You should make an Apple note. Oh, there's your mom. Look at your mom. Oh, so that the uh, so like for instance, the other day, I think that when they asked me to be King Neptune, they had in mind that they wanted uh, Seafair to be a little bit hipper than it's been. Mm-hmm. Last year, the King Neptune was a, was a member of the Seattle Seahawks, and um, and he had a fun time with it when he bothered. But it was that's that was their typical the typical mistake I think that that uh, you make in a situation like this where you're like this is an uh, this is an honorary position and we're going to give it to an upstanding citizen, and then you pick somebody that that. Is in your own world. You're a chamber of commerce-y kind of organization. You pick somebody from that world. Yeah, makes sense. Somebody that's impressive in that world, like a Seahawk. But uh, that's not very fun. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you go to a Rotary meeting with a guy that has been to a lot of Rotary meetings. It's very, it's just like it's very internal. And then you realize, oh, we're producing an event for the whole city, but. Uh, but we're doing the uh, we're we're making the old mistake of just like it's a circle jerk. Mm-hmm. And you gotta, so you got to hit, hit them where they ain't. You you yeah, yes, you want ain't. drawing power, but you, you obviously you want somebody who you know has respect for uh, for the service. Mm-hmm. Someone with drawing power. Somebody and, who loves the city of Seattle and who isn't just coasting. Yeah, I also think you probably want somebody who's a good sport. You got to be a good sport, mm-hmm. right? But there's the version of being King Neptune, good sport, where you stand there gamely with your sash and your crown on, and they hand you a piece of paper, and they say, read this, uh, and then we're going to knight this, your fellow um, citizen, and you gamely read it, and everyone gamely applauds. Mm-hmm. But then there's, then you, there, you have another option, which is... Um, Swing for the fences, and in, uh, this year they said, "Why don't we get? Why don't we try and make Seafair a little bit more fun?" And they got, they asked me to be King Neptune, and it's hard for me to tell. I I do know that I am 
putting pressure on the organization by being a little too fun. I don't know how oh, much interesting. That... It's kind of a footloose type situation where well, a, little a little bit, bit. where they, they bring you in because they say this guy's a good sport. He, he looks great in, in an outfit and a crown. But now now it's uh, in the second act. Things are turning around a little bit and they're going, oh, is this guy is this guy going to be a pistol? Well, a little bit of a pistol. Right. So uh, the Seafair uh, Grand Marshals of the parade who are it's another honorary position. There are a lot of these. Uh, the Grand Marshals of the Parade, and a couple of years ago, one of the Grand Marshals was Duff McKagan, my my good pal, who is also a Seattleite, a very uh-huh. vociferous supporter of Seattle. Yeah, it's just, a, what is it? It's an honorary thing. They hand you a scepter, you go, I hereby commence the parade, and, you know, it's, but it's a fun thing. It's a nice honor. Uh-huh. Well, this year, last year, they had Chris Pratt and uh, uh, an actress who everybody talks about. Uh, very excitedly, and who each time her name is mentioned, I can't remember which one she is. Okay, but uh, but one that everybody was excited to meet last year. Now I would be very excited to meet Chris Pratt because he's my favorite actress. Yeah, he's a good, but, he's uh, a very good actress, and and I yeah. have to say, just for what it's worth, he's he also seems like a good sport. Super good sport, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was very exciting. So this year, again, they tried to maybe maybe they tried to duplicate their success yet last year. Oh, he brought along his lady friend, Anna, Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris, that's right. And everybody's very excited about Anna Ferris. Mm-hmm. This year, they got James Woke and Billy Burke of the television show Zoo. What? Which is on, I don't know what, the WB or CBS? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Zoo. That's the Marshalls? So these are these actors, hmm. and what they are is uh, some actors from a thing, a TV show. Like, if it was, if we were at Comic-Con... Is this the like James Patterson watched... TV? Yes. Oh, I heard about this. I mean, who knows? Yeah, no, I've, I've, heard, about a, this. I've heard about this. If zoo. it was at Comic-Con and I walked past these guys at a booth, I would go, sure, of course. But here they are, and they're presented to me as like, here are the Grand Marshals of the parade, and you are meant to knight them. Mm-hmm. And then they commence the parade, and it's all this thing. This the it's a little bit of a, it's some song and dance is yeah. what we're doing. We're doing absolutely, song and dance. absolutely. So here they come, and I'm at this event, and there are some there are quite a few admirals, which is very exciting. I met the the commander of the Coast Guard for the Pacific region. I met the uh, the uh, com- uh, the admiral of the uh, Stennis Strike Force Fleet aircraft carrier Strike Force. Uh, another admiral, a couple admirals. I, I made some I made some business with some admirals. You know, I mm-hmm. did a little did a little uh, some lols with them. And they're, sure. Talk about game. Those guys have to be game because they do a lot of this type of thing. Anyway, so up they walk, and here comes Billy Burke, who's a guy clearly my age, but handsome guy. Billy Billy Burke. Okay. Billy Burke. He was in the Twilight series. Oh. Anyway. He's, He's wearing sunglasses. Oh, I know this guy. I thought Billy Burke was the good queen in Wizard of Oz. That's why oh, I was no, confused. That, that's a different. That's a different Billy Burke. Okay, but he's wearing sunglasses. He's got his hair, his dirty hair, up in a man bun. He's wearing a Seahawks T-shirt, a, a, a dirty unzipped hoodie, and some shorts. Mm. And mm. He, and I'm like, seriously? That doesn't bring much gravitas uh, vis-a-vis marshalling. No, somebody, somebody told you that you were going to be the grand marshal of a parade yeah. and you show up in your pajamas i was offended hmm. and so did you try to keep I'm, it in no hmm. 
So I'm standing in front of this group of local dignitaries, and I call them up, and as they as they walk up, I'm like, Billy, you didn't have to get dressed up all special for the parade. And Billy Burke, I don't he put on a strained smile, but I don't think he liked being roasted. Hmm. And then I said a few times as I was knighting him, like you know, Billy Billy made a special effort to roll out of bed to come be the Grand Marshal of Seattle's parade, and I think we should honor him with this great honor. Oh my goodness! And it's and the thing is, I'm not being hostile. I'm being funny. It's mm-hmm. fun. Billy Burke, fifty year old Grand Marshal of a parade, and he, you know he sh- he should be able to take a little bit of this because he, he chose he chose that outfit, not you. Yeah, that's right, because fuck you, Billy. And the thing is, James Woke, a younger man, mm-hmm. the star of the the star of this TV show, James Woke, he showed up in a collared shirt with some pants. Now, he didn't tuck his shirt in, but he's a young person, and he was loving it. He was loving that Billy was getting raked over the coals. So it was a little bit of a roasty situation is what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not... Uh, what is, I think, typical of this event. And then... Oh, so you, was, you unintentionally, or maybe you made it a little edgy. I made it a little edgy. You said, and we're going to have, have some fun here. We're going to have a little fun. And mm-hmm. since since I established that tone, then I knighted a couple of admirals, and I gave them a little bit of the same kind of business. Like, oh, here he is, the admiral of the Pacific Coast Guard fleet. Commander and I said, "Is Alaska part of your area?" And he said, "No, they're a separate group." And I said, "Oh, so then, like you, you have Montana and Idaho, the two great coastal states." Oh boy! And he was oh, mad. Boy. And then I realized, oh right, the Missouri River, the Snake River, the Columbia River, like the Coast Guard is also in the rivers. Okay. And so then I, you know, so I corrected myself and I was like, "Oh, you also are." All the waterways, all the great waterways. <laughs> he and I made good friends, the Admiral and I, but, uh-huh. you know, a little bit. It, but I think the people at Seafair, the ones who have asked me to do this job, are now um, hopping up and down, not in anger, but in anxiety, because oh, what okay. is the king going to say next kind of thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is... I think the exact kind of fun that they were hoping to have in just slightly smaller measure. Uh, and so this is the this is the fun for me, right? This is a ceremonial position. I'm not getting paid. It's this is oh interesting. This is a uh, Ooh, this is a, oh boy. Now what about Chris Pratt? Is he doing it for free? Everybody does this for free. Chris, this Pratt, is all- Chris Pratt brought his family to Seattle and did this job for free. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure they put him up. Yeah, but uh, you should check that out. That that sounds a little bit like a jam up to me. It's the type of thing that is, I think, it falls into the the sort of general community service aspect of being a famous. Um, you get honored with these things, and if you say yes, there's no, you know, what is Seafair going to give give him five grand? I mean, that's not. 
that's not something Chris Pratt's going to put his family in. I've seen that he does. Well, see, now, I think, I don't know. I don't know how much of this is image management, but I've seen tons of delightful pictures of him visiting kids in hospitals and bringing them Lego and doing things in costume. And he seems like kind of a mensch. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like a, a, a rock the Dwayne Johnson type situation where he's just doing image management. Who knows? But. But he seems he seems like he'd be like a pretty cool guy. Maybe just because I really like him on Parks and Rec. But who knows? It, it's the reason why I th- he's one of my favorite actresses. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think past a certain point, right? What what will what this will be is Chris Pratt probably has a foundation, and then this he'll do this in return for uh, the opportunity to put. His foundation for kids on the masthead of uh, some other, you know what I mean? Like it's, I it, do. It's a, it's a different kind. Currency is the wrong word, but for, for lack of a better word, it's a different kind of currency. It's a kind mm-hmm. of uh, social tokens that we pass back and forth. We're trying to do the right thing. And these are the. This is what the Rotary Club is all about, right? The Rotary Club sends some students to Kobe, Japan, and Kobe, Japan sends some students to. Rotary, and one of those students one day goes to college and become and ma- uh, majors in business management and ends up being the deputy director of the port. And Rotary pins a pins a star on him and the or her, and mm-hmm, the star mm-hmm. then goes up on a on a piece of wood on the wall of a place. And you know, it's like there is a there is a world of honorarium. A world of, um, and everyone is very proud. There's a lot of like pride in the work that they do. It feels meaningful. It feels like it spreads uh, fraternity. Mm-hmm. The the whole sister city notion of like, and now someone is here from our sister city in Uzbekistan, and they brought an entourage, and you know. Uh, and being, like, being is even tangentially uh, involved in that in this kind of world. Like, I have to, I have to also realize they're creating content for their own markets. And sure, it oh, does, again, it's a it's a kind of um, not invisible, but a kind of yes. I see what you're saying. It's it, it's it's content, and it's it's a kind of uh, reputational uh, woofy tokens. Like there's, it's interesting. You're moving kind of invisible resources around. Yeah, and and I think I think what what the benefit of these things is to the people that are, that are knee deep in it is like this is where after you've awarded the the blue ribbon for the state's largest cow, or after you've sent 25 kids to uh, college in Antarctica for the semester. Mm-hmm. Then as you're standing around at the end of the meeting, uh, somebody like my dad says, Hey, Bill, I want you to meet Tony. And Tony goes, Hey, Bill, how's it going? I'm trying to, you know, I'm the guy that's trying to get the permits to build the 65 story uh, office tower uh-huh. on, the, on the land adjacent to where you are uh, trying to also build a tower and uh, you are holding up my permits. Ha 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 ha. Why don't we figure that out? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you're a Rotarian? Wow. And like that kind of handshaky thing is what uh, people that aren't in the room and what, you know, what uh, democratic socialists 
uh, what makes them so suspicious and angry because mm-hmm. it seems like that's yeah, where all the chummy. Yeah, that's where all the deals are getting made, and that's why those organizations exist. Now, being inside them, right, I see like, oh, that's not why they exist, but it is a, it is an element, it is a fringe benefit of it that the people that are invited are the ones that are seen to need to be there, and then that's how things get done. Mm-hmm. And it's a. Uh, it's not very creative and it's not very it's not it's not fun by any standard that that we have like it's not like the things that are supposed to be funny aren't funny the things that are supposed to be neat aren't neat there are a lot of powerpoint demonstrations where people are showing slideshows of uh, all the kids that they've helped but it really does come from i don't know a, a place in those people that is altruistic mm-hmm. a desire to help and i have no idea how but but i now am on the not on the i'm in the anteroom of these people because i'm because whatever they pick me out as somebody that's game that'll mm-hmm. come to these things and be a little roasty and be a little bit because the the thing is in a group of in a group where the admirals are standing around right there's a lot of respect for the admirals and the admirals are standing around used to being respected it's their number one job description respect these guys right like they every single room they've ever walked into from the time that they were a lieutenant junior grade some large proportion of the people in that room are respecting them mhm no one ever disrespects them, except maybe. Well, and, you, and part of it is you—I mean, you learn so early on that you get respect by giving respect. There's a tremendous respect is the currency, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but the admirals in this situation are like—they go to a lot of rotary meetings. They behaved respectfully, but you don't get the sense that they—you know—part of respect, sad to say, is. Uh, that you are impressed and maybe a little afraid, right? I mean, certainly the respect they're used to commanding has a healthy element of fear in it. Because the people that are like, yes, sir, are ones that can be in big trouble if they say yes, sir, wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the admirals are in this thing, and there are a lot of Rotarians and, and people from the city, and the admirals aren't really very afraid of them. You know, it's not like somebody from Seattle is going to say, we're not giving the Navy permits to park their boats here this year because we're making, I mean, it's possible if we elected a mayor that was a real radical, but ultimately the Navy's not worried about Seattle. But in a situation like that, you know, um, my job, I as I see it, is to because a lot of these animals aren't that much older than me, mm-hmm. oh. right? I know, I know. They're fifty-four, and so although I'm, I res, I respect the office, and I respect the Navy. Let's say, um, I don't have a lot of social fear because what is an admiral going to do to me? What is what are any of these people going to do to me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, and so 
No one ever roasts admirals, particularly not at a thing like this that's so low weight. Like this is these are low power events for these people. The seafare parade, you know, they do they don't come expecting to be ribbed publicly. And and I think personally that they love it. I think it's fun for them. I think that they everybody likes to be roasted a little. And it's a like Nobody ever, nobody ever sidles up to them and says, "So tell me, is that do you, don't you get tired of wearing these uniforms that are half polyester? I mean, couldn't you have a uniform tailored?" <laughs> do you think they like that? I think they do, <laughs> because it's a kind of banter that they. It's the sort of banter that I would, you know, that I would lay on you. Yeah, and they and they do have those feelings. Like, so I'm standing next to the King County Sheriff, who is a big. He's a big deal here. And we're watching the opening remarks, and and a, and there's a young deputy standing next to him who's not his, who's it basically looks like his son, and is sort of acting like his son. And I don't think he's a bodyguard; he's just his. He's probably his aide de camp. He's his body. They call it the uh, his, his body man or his bag man. Body. Yeah, he's his. He's the guy that's going to. He carry, lean carries over. his purse. He gets his leviathan, and if he needs a magnifying <laughs> glass, he knows where to pull it out. Right. Yeah. So I'm standing next to these Aide guys. Aide-de-camp. Aide-de-camp. What a great term. Aide-de-camp. It's got to be what he is. And I look over, and the and the King County Sheriff has a sidearm. And the sidearm, uh, you know, it's unlikely that this 60-year-old man is ever going to draw his sidearm again. But it's there because it's part of the uniform. Mm-hmm. And I look down, and it has a single piece of scotch tape wrapped around the handle. Wrapped around the grip. And I look at it, and I kind of think about it for a second. And I walk over, and I say, Sheriff. And he looks at me, and I'm wearing a crown. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yes. So so he's not going to say, hello, citizen. He's going to say, what the fuck is this now? (laughs) And I said, Sheriff, I can't help but notice that your sidearm is held together with scotch tape. Can you, and he starts to laugh, and his aide-de-camp starts to laugh. And uh, I said, can you give me some explanation for why the sheriff of King County can't find a screw for his, or whatever? And he says, well, you know, the the grip is a little bit wiggly, and uh, so I fixed it. And you're the first person that's ever said anything about it. And now uh, my aide de camp is laughing at me. So thanks very much for that. Wow. And I, I figured said, maybe it was. I figured either his kid put it on there and he kept it on because it was sweet. Because <clears throat> you know you get a lot of that. Your kid puts stuff on your things. I figured sure. it was that, uh, or there was maybe so he could uh, get his fingerprints off there if he needed to. Uh, no, just a single piece of scotch tape. All right. And. And so I said, well, you know, Sheriff, that's wonderful because I'm going to be able now to report to the citizens of King County that you are not wasting precious county resources on uh, doing things like fixing the grip of your gun, yeah, which you're unlikely to draw. And so then he's like, oh, here's I got a live one here. And we sit and chat because in a way that kind of banter establishes... Uh, establishes that there is a that my lack of fear is a kind of peer. I'm establishing a peer relationship 
right? Like, I am clearly not a peer of the King County Sheriff mm-hmm. in any respect, right? <laughs> not, not in the sort of classic sense. Not in the classic sense. Mm-mm. But I'm also not intimidated by him. And that's unusual hmm. for him, right? I mean, the only people that aren't intimidated by the King County Sheriff are his wife and his kids, probably. Because everybody else that he meets in the, in the course of this situation is either someone who reports to him or someone who needs him, needs his political support. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, it's a, I don't mean this disparagingly, but that's a managerial job. Big time. Right? I mean, it's I, not, I mean, you know, I wouldn't diminish it. I'm sure that he would be happy to jump in and grab a broom if he needed to. But, like, his job is very, it's a high-level administrative job. He manages other managers. And he came up through the ranks. And, you know, one of the, Dave Reichert, who was a former King County Sheriff, became a U.S. congressman. So it's a political job. Okay. All right. And he goes to these events, and everything Everything that we're looking at at this event is within his jurisdiction. He is the sheriff of all of this. And so everybody at this thing is like, Sheriff, you know, thanks for coming. And also, we, you know, we're looking for your help at, if next year at the whatchamacallit thing. Mm-hmm. And so no one ever comes up and says, what's the deal with your broken gun? Yeah. Ding-a-ling. Yeah. What's up with that? And and he likes it, right? Everybody likes that. Everybody wants somebody to come up and take the steam out of them, or at least everybody who's normal. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure there's a king. I'm sure there's a sheriff, somebody somewhere who's like, move along, citizen. That who has doesn't. No sense I, of humor I would put it this themselves. way. I would. I mean, in, in my estimation, that is less bothersome to people who are both powerful and confident. Right. There, there are there are people in positions of power that are not that confident. Not naming any names here, uh, and then there are other people who are very confident but don't have power. And that kind of thing, if you haven't gotten through the ranks and moved up, uh, feels like uh, a slight that must be addressed in the moment, it, much like you would on like a playground. Right. But if, but you, if there's somebody who has power, you can you can laugh it off because you know that stuff's not going to bother you. Well, and he is a he he's a he's a politician ultimately, and mm. so he's not going to get to that job. And be good at it if he doesn't have a sense of humor, because it's he. You've got to you've got to be fielding a lot of crazy shit all day. Mm-hmm. And a few minutes later, I'm standing with uh, the King County Executive, who is the sheriff's boss nominally, hmm. who's a young guy and and actually a friend of mine, like somebody that I know socially. And he's the I think the greatest politician in the state by a large margin, and everybody thinks so. His name is Dow Constantine. And he is a he's just a great politician. And he's a he's a liberal and he gets things done and he's also a cool guy, right? He's at this event. He's dressed appropriately, except he's wearing Converse because he's a because he's a Justin Trudeau. Oh, he's type. having he's having a little fun. He's having a little fun because it's a fun time. But he's also got a, a blazer on and he's he he found in his collection of accoutrements all his little seafare pins and buttons that he's received over the years is various, like, every one of these little things that some King Neptune has given him, like, I hereby proclaim that you are the king of the day, and they hand you a little pin, Dow has them arranged somewhere, so that when he's coming to this, some oh. assistant says, and here are your seafare pins, and he puts them on his blazer, so that it's just like, and that's how you're a good politician. 
you know, you show up at this and you're wearing the right pins. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's let me pause you for a second, because yeah. I like that phrase. What was the phrase? Knowing the right pins. Mm-hmm. That's really that's kind of a really good way to put it because it also encompasses a lot of the different kinds of things we're talking about whether that's rotary club or your your father you know oh counselor you know like knowing all of the ways to like wear the right pin becomes very important in these situations right remember remember how politicians were being bullied into wearing american flag pins during the bush administration oh and it was it was this uh i remember after i want to say after 9-11 there was this whole thing so. of like which late night talk show host will be the first to stop wearing a a flag pin yeah and if you if you appear there was a while there where if you appeared as a public figure without a flag pin on it was cause for censure especially if you were a, if you were a uh, a public servant and i think i think you'll still see an awful lot of flag pins on the lapels of I mean, I don't think there's a single Republican Congress person that doesn't have a flag pin. Well, a lot of them wear that that goofy, slightly oversized badge that Congress persons get. That I yeah. think looks a little silly because when I see them talking on the MSNBC, it looks a little bit like uh, like a pog, maybe <laughs> or or something. You know, there's a big pin trading culture at theme parks. Sure. I think this is how that uh, the sheriff with the cowboy hat got a lot of his uh, Mad Max. Uh, or Morton Joe pins is just trading with other uh, cowboy sheriffs. Yeah. But yeah, there's this whole pin trading culture. And I think that's part of what you're describing here, knowing, knowing the right pin. But, uh, but also it encompasses the things like the things that I look at and see as magical, like the ability to remember people's names, yes. remember what they do, what they used to do, who they know, who their family is. And to do that without going, ah, like I yep. do, you know, yep. that's, I, I look at that and I just, I look at somebody like that sheriff and I just go, man, that guy's got it wired right. Well, and you think about you think about Dow. How many different events he goes to, Ugh. where they hand him a pin, and he goes home and somehow puts that pin into a system mm-hmm. where he says, "The next time I go to the to the King County uh, Reservoir Maintenance uh, J- Directors Jamboree. <laughs> Jamboree, I'm gonna." be able to put this pin on my lapel and and when i arrive and they see it they are going to be chuffed right they're they'll look you can tell i'm excited this is my fifth one of these look at my lapel yeah. i'm wearing i'm wearing my flight of pins it's it's phenomenal mm-hmm. you know that that ability and that and the knowledge that that is a thing you need to need that you need to do but so i'm standing there and Dow and i are just talking about our families and we're talking about our lives um and a guy walks up and he's one of the people i've i have honored that day who's a who runs an organization that supports the navy and he says you know hey sorry to interrupt dow just wanted to say hi just wanted to say thank you dow remembers his name dow knows who he is and he says just wanted to make sure you got my email inviting you to the event that we're doing Mm. And it's a little bit of mm-hmm. a... Oh, I know, pro- I know, I know that message. I've gotten that yeah. message. And and this is a protocol breach, because mm-hmm. we're at a thing. Dow's wearing his, his fun shoes. But you can tell that this man is very earnest about his work. Mm-hmm. And as part of that earnestness, he does not recognize social... Uh, he, he, whatever the, the wiggle room is between... This is an event where you say something like that. This is not. Slightly cringy breach of protocol. A little bit. Yeah. But Dow is very, very graceful. Sure. And Dow says, 
you know, I don't have any staff members with me right now. Mm-hmm. And so, and then he makes the self-effacement joke. So he, and he says, and you know, honestly, like I just go where they tell me. So I don't know. I don't, uh, you know, it's his kind of way of saying, I don't answer my own email mm-hmm. when it is things like this. But when I get back to the office, I'll ask them to make sure that I am, you know, do, 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 guy, you write, do you write it down? Nope. He just remembers. Just remembers. <sighs> And and the guy kind of presses his attack a little bit. Well, Ugh. we'd like you to be at the event, and you know it's very important because we're doing it for the Navy and we and the you know we and support our troops. And Dow says, you know, as soon as I get back, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to my staff about it, and just sort of gracefully does his thing. But that is what is happening at these things, whether it is uh, overt like that, or whether. Uh, a person walks up and says, hey, great to see you, Dow. And Dow knows that this person wants them at their, at his event. And he's able to send a coded message to them like, hey, great. Well, I'll see you the, I'll see you in a week. And it's, it's in a situation like that, it's a little bit the phrase comes to mind is holding court, where if you mm-hmm. actually think about uh, a regent sitting in some kind of a room where people come in and come in, you know, talk to them about things. In that kind of situation, uh, Dow is his name? Sheriff Dow? Uh, no, the sheriff is not Dow. Who's Dow? Dow is the executive, which oh, Dow, is like... Oh, sorry. Dow is the executive who's the nominal boss. Well, in, he's in the any mayor. case, that, yeah. that person... If that person... That person has the opportunity to say at that point to this person, uh, oh, by the way, uh, I got your note. I haven't had a chance to respond to it, but I feel pretty sure we can get that on the schedule. He ha- right. has the opportunity where he could say that, but if he didn't say that... You asking him about it? You're basically doing that thing where you say, "Did you get my email about about your email?" Like, yeah. don't don't do that. Don't, don't do that do to it. people, especially in social situations. It's it's such a it's such a PR bad PR person thing to do. That whole like, well, if I do it in public and I'm smiling, like you have to be nice to me. Yeah. Well, and it's how I it's how a PR person justifies their uh, their bowl of cereal, right? Because they get to that's my job. Yeah, that's their job, and they're trying to get those Glen Gary leads all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at an event like this, every single person in there is holding court simultaneously. Mm-hmm. There are no people in there that are not either. I mean, everybody had stars on their collars, and the sheriff has four stars on his collars. But he or on his collar, but he he reports to Dow, who is wearing Converse, hmm, but fun shoes. Dow, yeah, but Dow's got stars on his collar too, and everybody knows it. It's just Dow's stars are seafare pins because he knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. The only people in there that aren't, that don't have stars on their collars, are Billy Burke and James Woke, who are there because they're rich Hollywood handsomes, and then me. Yeah, and I'm wearing a fucking crown. Yeah, that speaks for itself. It really does, right? A crown, like, you, because the crown s- suggests I am ceremonially the boss of everyone here. Um, obviously, we all know that that is not true. Well, I think but, for the purposes for the purposes of this event, if that has been conferred on you, I think people should be deferential to you. And they are, mm-hmm. and that is part of the fun. Every one of these admirals said, "Do I bow?" Mm-hmm. And each time I say yes. 
Bend the and, knee. Bend the knee. Mm-hmm. And they do. The the fucking two of these admirals got down on their knees, ah, right? They went down a on good, a pillow. John, that's a good sport. It's a fucking good sport because they're politicians too. Mm-hmm. You don't get to be a three-star general or admiral without being political. It's a little, it's a little bit of what one might call social power exchange. You're having fucking you're having a. fun with it. Fucking A. Mm-hmm. And Mike and, and what I the only thing I lack is a clown nose because that's what it, that's what the crown is, right? Well, and, come on. And I went to great lengths because you because have a, I, you have a lot of dignity. I would not call that a clown nose. You're a very you have a you have a, an excess of dignity. Thank you. I grew my beard a little bit long so that I look like King Neptune a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but I feel like the the job description that the seafarer people had in mind. <laughs> Was business casual plus a sash and a crown. <laughs> That's what they expect. Okay. And I have spent the last month putting together a pretty good replica of, uh, of like, uh, Sar Nicholas II's tunic from just before the World War. Mm-hmm. I have all... The elements I have the you know I have the the star of Constantine and I have the the additional gold braid and the gigantic uh, epaulets and the you've done some re- you know, you've done your work here the sword belt and I mean if you take a picture of me in my tunic and you put it up next to Sar Nicholas he's got a lot more bling mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, look and how he one of out. the nice things mm-hmm. about being a czar is that you can have knee high patent leather boots made for yourself it's oh, a good look which that's a, would be that's, that's an investment look. that i'm like i'm frankly teetering on making me too i just saw atomic but Blonde so i'm this there weekend. in a yeah. in a tunic befitting a czar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is not what seafair expected mm. they're not displeased it certainly is inhabiting the role what they expected was you come in looking like a golf dad basically yep. they, they want a yep. golf dad with a sash la 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 and um and that's but they got they got a little more than they bargained for. They 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 wanted to reach a younger demo. And they brought in a new king with some with some fresh energy, and he he, uh, he brought a whole outfit. Yeah, right. And it's a you know like the outfit. Oh, it's so fun to wear. It's so fun to to march around in this outfit with the you know the epaulets really. And the epaulets really communicate not only that you have broad shoulders, but that those broad shoulders are covered with uh, Cthulhu's of gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, like the the fucking admirals uh, who are marching around this thing have giant gold epaulets. It's just that the style has changed. Mm-hmm. And the epaulets now are flat and have a lot of stars on them. But they're still freaking gold epaulets. And my epaulets are just what they would have worn 100 years ago. You're a little bit more Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, I don't want to look like the Nutcracker. I'm, I'm <laughs> imitating... <laughs> I am imitating. Uh, now, why'd, you put, why'd you put that image in my head? That's funny. That'd be funny if you came like the Nutcracker with some with some well, homemade makeup. I am essentially, I am essentially there as the Nutcracker. Um, the, you know the, the game. I mean, initially, I what I wanted was to to come dressed as master and commander. Mm. Um, and. It was very difficult to put that outfit together so that it looked good with a crown. And the problem of the the problem of the crown is that it 
it's very important to Seafair because that's what they made. They made a crown, and they thought they were having fun with that. And that was, that's an example of, like, we are fun, and we're having fun with the, with this, and we made a crown and a sash for our king. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy thing to put on somebody who's wearing business casual and make it uh, make the event fun. It's like instant king, just add crown. Right. You can walk in, and you're wearing a suit from Men's Warehouse, mm-hmm. and they put the sash on you, you put a crown on, and then you knight somebody. Everybody has a good laugh. Yeah. But Seafair, when I was a kid was one of these regional festivals that used to happen in every in every town, every small town, every t- local, every town that wasn't, because the, the country didn't have a unified culture. Seafair was an event that where Seattle went off, went bananas. Like King Neptune had an entourage of 20 people. Oh my goodness. They, they were all wearing... Giant hats with feathers in them. Uh, everyone was drunk. It was there were parties. People and, people would really get into the spirit. Oh my god! I mean, my mom talks about it. She's she's like, Seafair was the event of the season. There were multiple par- parades. There was a giant parade to kick it off. Then there was a giant parade in the middle, and then there was a giant parade at the end. That's the kind of event my late father would call a grab ass. It was a huge grab ass, and yeah. everyone came from miles around. the The mayor and the you know and the and Neptune was a was a big deal, right? During that time, during the Seafair month, King Neptune never bought a drink in any bar in the city. There are Seafair pirates and Seafair clowns, and they would they would come into bars and restaurants and just start singing their body songs, and they would <laughs> take you know, food off of people's plates and everybody had a grand old ribald time. And I'm sure at that, during that era, right. There was also a lot of impropriety that wouldn't yes. fly these days. Oh, I would feel fairly certain about that. And so that, you know, that is kind of taken out of it, right. As time goes on, the mayor does not get publicly drunk during seafair, but watching them in old black and white photos, like watching the town just go nuts. And when I got, when I was appointed King Neptune, my brother Bart sent me a text and he said, Dad would be so proud. Oh, that's nice. Dad loved Seafair. And this is a, you know, this is an, an example of the kind of honorary position in the city of Seattle that my dad thrived on. And no member of my family. Even in, in in all of their many splendors, no one ever was King Neptune before. My dad and my my uncle Al and my uncle Junius and George Alfred Caldwell Rochester before him, none of them ever were afforded or accorded this honor. So I don't want to show up in business casual and, and have a crown. I wanted to come dressed as Russell Crowe in Master and Commander. Mm-hmm. But, it, but you can't take that big Napoleon hat off and put a crown on. You just look dumb. Mm-hmm. But you can come as Tsar Nicholas or uh, King George V or uh, a little bit less Kaiser Wilhelm. But mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. uh, you can come as those guys, and it and it it looks it looks the part, right? Because they were obviously like commanders of their navies too. 
you you knew that Tsar Nicholas, George V, and Kaiser Wilhelm were, were all first cousins, right? In thinking about what you were saying, I was in my head something was swinging around uh, about Germans. There so, seems something, isn't there? A lot of uh, uh, Germanic things running through a lot of different countries. Like a lot of the uh, royal family has uh, roots in Germany. Well, they're all they're all uh, related, right? The the British royal family is a German house. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember uh, in that in the Crown. I remember that being kind of a kind of a big deal. Like one of the one of her relatives still mostly spoke German and stuff like that. Well, sure. And the thing is, the leaders of those three nations at that time, 1914, the King of England, the Tsar George, Is George V uh, Elizabeth's father? George V. He's Elizabeth's grandfather. Okay. Right? I think. Yeah, all right. Well, they were all... So all three of those Oh, yeah, uh, I see. Leaders, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the Kaiser of, of Prussia, the uh, the Tsar of Russia, and the King of England were all first cousins, and they were all grandsons of Queen Victoria. Wow. And while Queen Victoria was alive, they were all like, oh, and they and they look almost exactly alike. Like George V and Tsar Nicholas look like twins. Hmm. You see them next to each other, twins, twins, twins. Uh, and no, none, nobody in the family liked Kaiser Wilhelm. He was the cousin that nobody liked. Hmm, how come? He was a jerk. Okay. He was like a. I think that he had uh, when he was being bonded. Mm-hmm. There was a complication, and one and you know it was uh, it was old olden times, so they weren't able to solve complications in in being bonded like on the spot. And one of the results was that the Kaiser was, uh, had a deformed arm uh, that it was like Gary Berghoff, right? He, uh, he had one hand that he didn't like to show herbs palsy. Gary Berghoff had a, had an arm situation. Gary Berghoff. If you, I mean, in, in the 10 years that we all watched mash every day, we never ever noticed that Gary Berghoff has one hand that is, uh, I think much smaller than the other. I hand. had no. Oh my God! There it is. I had no idea. And he, Gary uh, Burkhoff, who is uh, by all accounts a reprehen- reprehensible person. Oh no! I'm so sorry to hear that. Is also a great drummer. I'm like he's a, so much. He's a phenomenal drummer. But uh, everybody, I don't. So you weren't around. Maybe you were. Your attention was elsewhere. You were probably watching uh, Apple uh, announcement events. Mm-hmm. Yeah developer conferences mm-hmm. but uh at some point in the early mid twitter period gary berghoff appeared on twitter and he was one of those people that went from having 50 followers to uh 15,000 followers in 2 days because he was on twitter just taking a dump on alan alda oh, every day oh i see <gasps> and was just okay. he was going he was doing a james woods he was just going crazy and it was oh I you know, see. oh no this is not good it sounds like no, you might have had some drinks it was the type of thing where Andy Richter was right in there you know like everybody was enjoying Gary Burkhoff imploding online a little, I, little I, bit of a Charlie Sheen I most of all right mm-hmm. uh, but but it caused me then to read some oral histories of Mash and 
my favorite quote was somebody, I don't know who, said uh, Gary Burkhoff was by far the best actor on MASH. He was doing a genius performance mm-hmm. because he was creating a character that was beloved by everyone in the country when he himself was like the most awful man alive. And I was going after Charles Nelson Riley, Hervé <laughs> Villachez. No, right? no one is spared. No, he was he was really who, who was, was after Charles Nelson Riley. That's no good. Well, it's like Gary also is is not a not a tall man, and I Five, think six. he probably yeah mm-hmm. thought he was lumped in there. But so I think the Kaiser, because of his uh, because of his damaged arm, had a chip on his shoulder. And the czar and the king looked so much alike and were very chummy. Like, they vacationed together. There was a lot of slap and tickle happening. And the the Kaiser felt left out. But they all stayed very, they all stayed very, you know, like, pally. Because all three of them loved Queen Victoria, their grandmother. And there are all these pictures of them kind of, like, curled up at her feet while she pets their hair. And when she died, almost immediately, the cousins were like, they all squared off. And, of course, they started a world war not that long after. Mm-hmm. Where And so the Kaiser and the king and the czar are fucking first cousins. And they are, they're like fighting this enormous uh, conflict where millions died over some stupid shit. And halfway through the war, the czar is deposed by a revolution. And then at the end of the war, the Kaiser loses his crown, and there is no there is no monarch of Germany anymore. It becomes a whatever a fun, semi-functional republic, and the King of England is the last man standing. So I guess really I'm. Really, I'm dressing like King George V. I don't want to end up like the Tsar. Mm-mm. It's going to be a busy week. I have like six events a day. Oh, my goodness. That's too many events. I have six events a day, Merlin, and Wednesday is supposed to be 103 degrees in Seattle. That's a hot day to be the king. Well, see, I don't want to wear my tunic on that day. I'm gonna. That's the day that I'm going business casual. Mm-hmm. I'm going. I'm going cruise ship casual on on Wednesday. This is another nice thing, though, is that you are. I mean, obviously, you've put a lot of your own special preparation into this particular uh, costume. But like, you've got a lot of stuff just sitting around that would be appropriate for almost any event. Like, you're. You seem like you're pretty good to go. Yeah, as long as no one. I, I think that I have put myself now finally in a place. Uh, that I've been sh- that I've been shooting for my whole life, which is a place with w- particularly in in wardrobe terms, where whatever the invitation says is the wardrobe. I know that not only can I can I meet their expectations, but that I will be able to show up in my own version of a thing. Like if it says if it says cocktail formal or if it says semi formal or if it says I mean no one ever does an event that says that that says formal and means actual formal like the 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 
the nicest event in the country you can show up to in a rented tuxedo anymore. But you, like, it might no, say black tie or white tie, right? I, I do not think that you will ever see a thing invite where you are invited white tie. I mean, unless it's a royal wedding, mm-hmm. which no one's, no one listening to this podcast is likely to get invited to, yeah. least of all me. Yeah. Well, Although you never know. Mm-mm. You never know. I mean, maybe Boris Johnson is listening to this I podcast. I think a lot of times the dress code they give is a combination of uh, two things. On the one hand, it's like, hey, you don't, you don't want to look like a dingling, so make sure you dress at least up to this bar. But it's also a kind of like a consolation of saying, don't worry, like you don't have to wear a necktie to this. Right. I think they're trying to give you something to say, like to, to provide comfort, ultimately, to say, like, if you're in the range of this kind of garb, you'll be fine. Right. And that is antithetical to the idea of having a dress code. Mm. Right. I mean, that's a that is a modern that's a modern problem to say, like, here's the dress code. Don't feel bad. You get to wear you have to wear it up to this point. But don't worry, you can. It, you won't be uncomfortable, poor person. Yeah. And after, in, after an hour, you can take your shoes off. <laughs> yeah. And in the past, right, a dress code was almost almost explicitly like, you are going to be incredibly uncomfortable. Um, this is not negotiable. Here is what the expectation is, and you will come correct. And that's gone from the world, unless you're invited to something hosted at the White House or something, right? Like... Like you go, you go to a wedding where the where the people are putting on the wedding, and they want everybody to be like really, really formal. And you see a bunch of guys in blue suits. Well, yeah, I mean, if it doesn't, if the if the title of the event, you know, you look out for words like gala. <laughs> gala is a good indication you should up your game a little bit. Right, but for a lot of people in the world, that is a blue suit. That's as high as they go. Blue suit with the with the tie, they right? Got a blue or suit a, ceiling. I don't go any higher than that. Uh, or a rented tux, mm-hmm. an ill an ill fitting rented tux. Yeah. So, but but in most cases, like formal, I think formal involves like actual formal uh, at night is white tie, white waistcoat. Like, when was the last time you saw that? That wasn't at, it wasn't a, a member of a wedding party. Well, and you have to be careful that you don't get into jokey frat brother style formality. Right. Like, help the me remember tie. what, like, black tie is after six. Is that right? Well. White, white tie is like the super formal one, right? Um, White tie. In olden times, white tie was for dinner and black tie was like what you wore like in the, I mean, a morning coat. Oh, this is a, when you wear white ties. When you wear like a Jiminy Cricket outfit. Yeah, at dinner every I night. See. I mean, this is like this is like old, like nineteen ten in mm-hmm. in England. But you didn't show up with a black tie tuxedo at night uh, hmm. at a at a gala for for sure. But now you do. Now mm-hmm. that's the that's the peak. Um. And there are all kinds of rules, right? You don't wear a white dinner jacket unless you're in the tropics. But people love the look of white dinner jackets, and so now you see white dinner jackets uh, above the tropics. And also, you don't wear a white dinner jacket in the winter. Hmm. But people do now because it's they're more just, of a costume for people. It's yeah, a costume. People are having right. fun with it, right? They don't under, they don't know what the 
they, they don't know that it actually signifies a, some kind of like archaic social order. But so if I'm invited to anything up to white tie, which I cannot accomplish, like Paul F. Tompkins can accomplish white tie and wears it sometimes, I mean, wears it always as a costume. So he wears it inappropriately in that it's too formal for some events he goes to. But that's his bit. He's like a, he's like a friendly children's television host. Yeah, that is. That's his bit. Mm-hmm. But almost anything else that you would invite me to, I can come not only appropriately, but also in my own vernacular mm-hmm. right in my own vernacular precisely mm-hmm. so you know i can come to a black tie event in 1959 or in 1977 or then also the one that is just uh, the appropriate one can I, can I read you the description of white tie from the internet science site Let me a- hear according it. to the british etiquette guide to brett's of which I do not own a copy. The central components or components of full evening dress for men are a white Marcella shirt, which is a kind of like a, a weave of shirt. Mar- Marcella shirt with a detachable wing collar and single cuffs fastened with studs and cufflinks. The eponymous white Marcella bow tie is worn around the collar, while a low-cut Marcella waistcoat is worn over the shirt. Over this is worn a black single-breasted Baratheia that's like a very Game of Thrones name. Baratheo wool or ultra-fine herringbone tailcoat with silk peak lapels. We're not done. The trousers have double braiding down the outside of both legs, while the correct shoes are patent leather or highly polished black dress shoes. Although a white scarf remains popular in winter, the traditional white gloves, top hats, canes, and cloaks are now rare. It's the end of the men's section. Yes, and you, so you lose the canes you lose the canes and cloaks. Um, because and cloaks now seem to like Victorian. It's two costumes. You look a little bit like you know but the Monopoly Man. It looks like the Monopoly Man, but interestingly, like, single cuffs, not French cuffs. Like there are a lot of mistakes that we make in thinking that the thing that is more ornate is also the most fancy. Like you'll see a lot of people, a lot of men wear their wingtips to uh, wingtips with a tux because the wingtips have more fancy on them. They got more bling. They got more bling. But in fact, when you get up to this level, the fanciest is the plainest. Mm-hmm. So you're not meant to wear wingtips with a with a tux. You want your plainest black shoes. And they should be more no like slippers, cups. right? Doesn't it more like a like slipper? Slippers. Yeah. That's right. Um, and and not French cuffs, but single cuffs, and so forth and so on. And all this stuff is like, it all signals whether or not you know, and that's a huge part of what dress codes and what dress even is. It signals whether or not you know what things are. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, we think, oh, those things are unimportant, or, those, or worse, those things are enforcing a, a social hierarchy that we uh, abhor. Mm-hmm. Um, but those things are also part of our, and this is the word, the, you know, this is the bell ringing word, right? It's part of our patrimony. Pound, pound sign, not all tuxedos. Right. Pound signs, you know, where's, why is it patrimony? Mm-hmm. Pound sign, yeah. But, um, but it's, that stuff interests me, not just because it's like cultural heritage, but also because I love codes. You know, I love Social codes. I love in. in uh, I love interpreting codes. I love seeing when other people, like Dow Constantine wearing those fucking ribbons, is, and the converse, 
is expressing a knowledge of of ultimately of people and of stories and of the stories that people want to tell. And that's what all this stuff is about. And I admire it when I see it. And honestly, I feel like the, the single piece of scotch tape on the sheriff's gun was a thing that he initially put on there because a screw fell out of his pistol. And then he liked what it symbolized. He's a man of the people. Mm-hmm. He has a piece of tape on his gun. And no one has said anything about it. He's been wearing that tape on his gun for fucking ever, I bet. Because looking at the tape, it had been on there a long time. It was all it was all used. And it was put on there very, you know, not a, not with any attempt to be neat. It was very like slap on some tape. He'd been wearing that like a pin on his lapel as a way of signaling so many things and someone finally said something about it and he was thrilled and his deputy was thrilled. All these little flags that we have, all these flag lapels, uh, flag pins on our lapels that are, that are ways of saying like, this is me. Like a sheriff can't bling out his outfit. It already is completely composed. No, no sheriffs. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have any, there's no opportunity for him to put a, even a even a flower in his lapel because it, he'd be out of uniform. Mm-hmm. But he can put a little tape on the handle of his gun, like a little, like kind of like a lace brazier. Now, at some point, don't you think he should get that fixed? <laughs> Does that? I mean, like it's fun. He's having fun with it, which I like. I like that he's doing some bling and he's he's got his his version of a black brazier. But like at a certain point, shouldn't a police officer make sure his gun doesn't have tape on it? Unless it's a throwaway I, piece, I think they call it. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this sheriff has enough insulating sheriffs around him. He has three or four. There were the sh- there there are the deputies you see, and there that are the deputies you don't see. Mm. And in Seattle, at least in 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 palling around with Dow, his driver and his. Uh, the deputy that is assigned to shadow Dow is always a woman. And there, and at this event standing sort of back with my crown on, Mm -hmm. that's another fun game is to pick out the people who are there because they are carrying guns because they're shadowing somebody. Right. Because a lot of the people at this event have a shadow and the shadow isn't standing at their elbow. The shadow is standing in a corner somewhere. And they will have an earpiece, or they won't. But they will definitely have kind of like a little twirly cable on it, like your yep. uh, like your Secret Service type situation. Yeah. So there mm-hmm. were four of those people at this event, but there were also other people that didn't have twirlies, but that had un you know like bulges in their jackets. Mm-hmm. 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 And in King County, at least, it seems like often. Uh, the the like secret detectives the ones um the ones who are standing at one remove are women because i think the the county recognizes that bad guys are their uh, you know the the goal of somebody standing there with a pistol is that they not be noticed mm-hmm. and bad guys are going to be less likely to think that the the sheriff is being shadowed by a deputy who's a woman and that that's an extra layer of 
badassery. That's super badass. Like kind of like pussy galore. Like you have your whole like your 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 squad of, yeah. of, of action people. That's really cool. And so when the when the the gang was all finally arrayed on our uh, on our big like parade of Corvettes, <laughs> which is how we were going through the parade. And the mayor, the the beleaguered mayor of Seattle, also mm. arrived and got in his Corvette. And I was very interested to know because it's a parade and. There's very little separation between you and the crowd in a parade. Yeah. Is he still having a rough time? Well, I mean, what what he is accused of, he will never not have a rough time. Mm -hmm. I Uh, mean, I know you've you've been acquainted with him. I'm trying to be classy about it. But he's he's had kind of some, uh, he's had a challenge. Our current mayor did not run for re-election, even though he was, until this scandal, presumed to be a shoe-in. He uh, he bowed out of the race, and now mm-hmm. there are twenty one people running for mayor of Seattle. And I should have done it. It should have should have done it just no, for the no, no, please don't. Even for twenty two, please don't. But but uh, so he's in the parade. Dow is in a parade. They're both riding sort of next to each other in their Corvettes. Oh, it's awkward. And before, and it's very awkward because Dow is a very successful politician who will be a national politician at one point in his life for sure. He, I mean, unless he makes a, a real misstep, which I. Don't foresee him making. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I walk up in my tunic mm-hmm. to their cars to say, good luck, gentlemen. Have a great parade on behalf of King Neptune of Seafair. You know, have a good time in your parade. And as I step to their car, you you notice the, the secret people, the secret deputies... <laughs> Reveal, I, like, I like the secret people. I like the that. secret people. They reveal themselves because out of the out of the scrum of people who are kind of milling around, I walk up to these cars fairly quickly um, because I'm just like, Mayor, good luck. Have a good race. You know, Dow, good luck. Have a have a have a fun uh, have a fun time. I'm just sort of moving quickly to these cars, which are which are surrounded with a bubble of nobody in them. Because, again, sort mm-hmm. of the presumption is, like, there's a bubble around these people. Uh, an abundance of caution. And so out of, the, out of the, the crowd that's on the periphery, I step to these cars, and those four people step forward one step. And it's not a thing you would notice mm-hmm. unless you were conscious of them being there already and knowing that they are all four of them vigilant enough to say, who's this fucking guy? You move, you move and they move. <laughs> you start you start moving toward da- Daenerys on, on the crown and a few people are going to change position. That's right. They mm-hmm. all change position to get a yeah. little bit better sight line. Yep. And, and they see the mayor recognize me and put out his hand and say, hey, you know, thanks. <laughs> and, and the way our mayor is, he's like, <laughs> you know, we we don't know each other exactly socially, but certainly we know each other. And he's like, "Hi, great to see you. Thanks for your support." He didn't actually say that, but that's, oh no, really? No, that's just in his eyes. It's all he knows how to do. Uh, and oh. then Dow is like, "Thanks," you know. And so the the sheriffs take a step forward, or the the secret people take a step forward, but they know they don't have to take a second step forward <laughs> because they they see that mm-hmm. I'm being acknowledged and recognized and welcomed by you see, the people. You're, you're good. Mm-hmm. If they. I think I probably almost certainly that Dow and the mayor both have a, a way of posturing themselves, which says secret people. Would you arrive with a quickness? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I bet they, you know, they stiffen up a little bit or something and they know oh, it's, yeah. it's go time. 
Yeah, they stiffen up or they look over their shoulder or in some way that recoil mm-hmm. uh, where the where the deputies will arrive on the scene. But all of that dance, it's so it's just so interesting and so um you know what the hierarchy among people with stars on their collars is. Mm-hmm. There were two admirals, and I wanted to know who reported to the other. And so I walked up to one admiral and I said, "Who's who, you? You both have you both have three stars. So who's the Kahuna?" And the guy's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Well, he controls a, a carrier strike group. You are commander of Pacific Fleet operations. Who?" gets the bigger slice of cake at the at the reception. And the guy that I'm talking to, his wife starts to laugh. And he said, well, we're in different, we, we are different, where we report to different, we both report to the same guy. Like, he doesn't report to me, I don't report to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's the real story? Exactly. Yeah. I said, yeah, okay, so he brings his carrier strike force into your base. If you're mad at him, do you get to say, like, all right, well, Sorry, we're out of macaroni and cheese. You don't. We're not. Uh, we're not going to resupply you because mm-hmm. of something. And his wife is just fucking cracking up at this point. And he's like, "Well, no. First of all, I'm not in charge of macaroni and cheese. But yes, yeah, second of all, like, <laughs> oh. and he's having, you know, he's having fun. Right? This is something sure. he never gets asked. And I said, "So what? So it's the military. There's no equal. No one's equal to anybody." That's what makes it the military. It's like it's like when you get a pack of dogs. Yeah, you can't have right. any question. You got to know, like, here's your nose, here's this butt. Let's go. And, he, and so finally, he says, "Well, he has seniority." And I said, "You mean he enlisted first, or he was promoted to admiral first? Well, you're not gonna let it go, are you? No, fuck no. I want to know. Mm-hmm. And his and his wife is is having the best time, and he is. Uh, he may not have thought of this for a long time. It's so unconscious in them that he might not have had to break this down. But he says both. He joined before I did, and he was promoted before I did, before I was. Mm-hmm. And I said, but doesn't that make you the wunderkind? Like you are, you're younger than him and promoted to the same rank as him. And you're an he- outside agitator, John Roderick. And he shows no he shows no emotion except just the slightest crinkle in his eye, just the slightest uh, flash mm-hmm. at being complimented and at being recognized as as having made that accomplishment at a younger age. Mm-hmm. But he said that's not how it works. It's seniority works according to like age. Hmm. And I said, thank you, Admiral. You've, clar- you've, you know, you've clarified things for me today. And he, the, the thing is, both of these guys are sitting in the back seat of their Corvettes. Like I'm walking down the line. They can't, they can't get away, and they're kind of not supposed to say, uh, "I don't want to talk to you anymore." <laughs> no, because I'm the fucking king. You're the king. They have to talk to you. And they're both sitting next to their wives, which is a different power dynamic. Oh, one hundred percent. Right. This yeah, is I mean, like we can all we can all we're all doing our little boys thing together, mm-hmm. our, our men talking to men thing. Like you know, nobody's going to pierce, but like they each have their own court jester that actually is running the court. Yes, and they are, and the wives are really enjoying this kind of thing, right? This making is this just noise like, a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're just taking the piss out of their husbands in the same moment, <laughs> and they got to be gracious about it. Yeah, they do. They're the admiral. <laughs> 
they're the admiral, except not not at home. <laughs> not but at I'm home, sure that's I'm not. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's their long-running gag, but I'm also sure you know, it's probably You know, every true. single one of them owes their wife so much. Can you imagine all the bullshit that their family has gone through so that they could have that career? Well, all you have to do is watch the right stuff, right? Oh, I mean, brother. We were talking about that just this morning. What, now, wait, was Sam Shepard in that? Yes. Okay, that's why I mentioned it this morning, because I was saying to Allie, uh, I don't, I don't, I, she, she loves Apollo 13, but we've never seen the right stuff. And I was like, we got to watch that movie. It's long, but it's so good. It's really long. He plays. Those ladies uh, are tough. Those are tough ladies. They are tough, and they were tough in a, in in precisely the era where they were expected to behave a, a certain way that you know that didn't allow them really to uh, to be assertive, publicly assertive. It was a. But like, mean, like 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 for generations or even millennia, like they self organize. Uh, not they, but any any group like that like self-organizes in this yeah. way where like this is you know this is how the village gets things accomplished yeah oh yes still very related very related structures and like and in, in, in your anecdote about the uh the admirals and the corvettes you know it's like the, the part that makes that awkward is that they know the answer to that question uh-huh. I, i'll bet i mean they, oh I, they feel it yeah. oh yeah i mean they feel it in there you walk into a room and anybody, you give any of those guys two drinks, and he could force rank that entire room without even thinking about it. He could he could fully force rank that room, and and I bet you most people in the room could do the exact same thing. People given the same amount of information and expertise could go up, oh, absolutely top guy, second guy, third guy, third guy, all, you know, all all the way all the way down the line. It's just that it's awkward to talk about it. Yeah. And then how would you if you if they were to say that to you, how would they support that in a way that didn't sound like mumbo jumbo? Well, and there are people who are listening right now who are in the United States Armed Forces and who are officers and who will probably report to us uh, in greater detail. But I wonder whether when those two admirals uh, meet coming through the rye, Mm -hmm. whether the junior admiral salutes first uh, because they both know, like, I'm pretty sure all the three-star all the three stars out there, and I think they are lieutenant admirals or something. I don't know exactly which which it is. I'm, I'll get yelled at about that. Mm-hmm. But I think they probably all know each other. Almost certainly, they know each other. They yeah. are they're interacting with each other socially and professionally. And when they see one another, whether the junior one, even junior by two days, uh, whether they know to salute first. I don't know. I, that is a that's a level of military protocol. I don't know, but but in this little uh, in this little corral that I was in, there's the mayor, who is used to being the top guy in the city. There's the Dow Constantine, who is the executive of the county, and the county incorporates the city. But those two have a relationship that is defined. The protocol of that relationship has been defined for decades but still Dow is the more successful of the two politicians the one who will be in office next year oh interesting so how does that work now Mm -hmm. the navy is in town and these guys are high-ranking navy officers how do they interact with a mayor of a city the sheriff is there he's got four stars on his collar the admirals only have three but you also know who's the home team Right. Right. And I think when somebody else is the home team, you are dignified but deferential. Right. But like sheriff stars 
and army stars. Oh yeah, right. They don't. They don't. Uh, like, there's definitely. There's like a whole like it's like a British pound type situation. Like that's a, that's a different kind of star. Different kind of star. Mm-hmm. And then you waltz, and then you you plop down in the middle of all of this a rich person. Hmm. So let's say there's a billionaire, and like maybe that, an influential person. Let's say it's Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. to the event. So now Jeff Bezos is in the middle. So now all <laughs> suddenly, of these, suddenly the whole picture changes for me. He's just yeah. cackling maniacally. He's just he's there and he's in a hyperbaric chamber. Uh, that's also a hovercraft. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> <laughs>